0: Welcome back to another episode of SoccerWorks Live. It's a roundtable edition here at Triumph Park in Daphne, Alabama. I'm joined by none other than Coach Tito. Tell it, speaking of the mic, buddy, and uh, tell her, introduce yourself to
1: everybody. All right, good, uh, good morning. Uh, my name is my real name is Jose Rodriguez, but I'm pretty known as Tito around the soccer community here in the area. Uh, I guess I've I've been coaching for five years now here. Once was Daphne Strike, now Daphne Rangers. I've been blessed enough to get a lot of opportunities here. I got to coach various ages this past season and we're still here. Still here, and you're also
0: coaching um, at, at a high school around here, right?
1: Correct, I got an opportunity to coach at St. Michael's Catholic High School uh, which is kind of a project that I've been very pleased with. I've always wanted to coach at a varsity level. I'm glad that it had to happen, and especially at that school. So yeah. all is well so far.
0: So uh, uh, my my youngest son, who plays for you on one of your teams, we were able to come out and watch one of your high school matches the other night, and you guys played really, really well. So it looked it looked like the project's going pretty good.
1: Yeah, well, I think, um, I mean, a lot have... I've been, it's kind of, it's a blessing really, uh, a lot of, the, about 80% of the kids on, that are on that team play for our, our club, uh, the Gulf Coast Rangers, so I know our coaches here at Gulf Coast Rangers are doing a great job with, with all our kids and they're able to, uh, you know, they're able to transfer that into their high school setting, which makes it easier for, so for somebody like me that's still learning.
0: Right, to come in. So, your, your name, Rodriguez, obviously, um, you're, you're not from England,
1: no, <laughs> right. No, so, where, right.
0: where's your family originally from?
1: So, um, I, I'm out of my mom's side of the family. Only three of us were born in. Only three cousins were born in Mexico. Now, I was fortunate enough to be one of those. So, I was born in Mexico in 1993. And about three, about three or four years later, we ended up moving, making our across. The, across to the United States. Coming across the border. Taco
0: Bell just kept calling your name and you had to come north of the border to to get to Taco Bell. That's what it was, right?
1: That's correct. That's that's (laughs) correct. That's exactly what it
0: was. Yeah. All right. So I want to have a chat with you. We talked off air before about um, this topic. And I want to, in the few minutes that we have, I want to have a quick conversation about this. How do we... And by we, I mean U.S. soccer, right? So the um, the soccer that is sanctioned in this country uh, that plays under the U.S. Soccer Federation. How do we get more um, minorities involved in the game?
1: I mean, that's a conversation you know, Gerardo and I and and you as well have had, I guess, in the past couple of years. It's it's a tough it's tough because they're all coming in from. A Latin background, you know parents a lot a lot of soccer dads grow up playing soccer since they're little So it's kind of you know for me in my personal opinion I think it's hard for us to pass along that message that they're still getting the same The same style of play their same style of training as it is if they were training with their dad um, You know, it's hard to convince uh, a lot of times it's hard to convince uh, the land community because you know, they are surrounded by soccer twenty four seven, it feels like. You know, they 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 grow up watching whether it's La Liga MX or they you know, they they watch the the, Bar- the the La Liga in Spain.
0: Yeah, you're about to say the best club in the world. Go on and say it. Uh, Barcelona Thank and you. Real Madrid. No, and, no, 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 no. Leave off that. There's a, there's a rule in my house. I think I've told you this before. There's a rule in my house. You can root for any team in the world in any sport except Real Madrid. It's not allowed. You can't live in my house if you are Los Blancos. No, no, <laughs> no way, Jose. So um, as, as we kind of talk about that subject, you, you're talking about culture. You're talking about families. You're talking about dads. Um, I know in, in my personal experience in the past, it, there's also a level of building trust with, uh, with some of those families as well. Um, and, and that trust is not necessarily even a, a tactical football, you know, game-related trust, although that's important and you, you kind of highlighted on that. But it's also uh, a trust just from the standpoint of relationship, you know, building relationship with people. Um, especially people that that may not speak your, you know, your language, your first language. In my case, is you know English, um, at as their first language. And so, you, there's some sometimes a language barrier that you're working through, and you're having to, to establish trust. Um, I found personally that you know you've got to be willing to uh, build bridges and take time and. You know, even do things differently than maybe you're used to doing, right? Yeah, you have to kind of get out of the box or out of the your normal way of going about doing things. What, what as someone who you know, born in Mexico, you came here at four years old to to chase the dream of eating Taco Bell every day, <laughs> and um, but seriously, and I'm I'm making a joke about Taco Bell, but your family actually has a Mexican restaurant, correct? Correct. And, uh, much better than Taco Bell. And, and, uh, so if you're ever in the area, hit up Tito on social media and he'll let you know where to go and then you can get some, some great food. But when, when you're looking at the, um, building of bridges between inside the U S soccer family, um, no matter what part of the country you're in and those who are on the outside of the U S soccer family, um, all still a part of American soccer as a landscape, but, ne- but maybe not necessarily part of the U.S. soccer system in terms of what we're doing this weekend, right, with a, with a tournament and, or, or a festival and, and so on and so forth. What are some things that you experienced growing up that maybe could help teach others about how to make that connection, build that bridge? What was your personal experience growing up as a kid?
1: Well, um, I joined a club pretty late in in my teen years. Uh, I was always playing uh, rec for the same reason, like you said earlier. It's about trust. My dad wasn't, you know, he he was always like, "Oh, we don't, we just can't allow you to go. Uh, we don't know this person. You don't know all that." So as soon as my brother turned 10 or so he played U10 soccer with once once was called Blast Soccer Club Um, That's when I decided to join, but what helped me out was I had a lot of friends growing up playing So they were they were really allowing like they helped me out a lot by giving giving me rides Whether we had to go to Birmingham on a weekend and play two games and then come back Uh, But I mean a lot of times, like you, I think the biggest thing is trust. Trust. Once you have that trust, it's easier to allow. The people who are more willing to leave them with, with that coach or that family, and it just it makes everything easier. Just because, half the time they aren't working six days a week, sometimes seven. Right. Depending on what they do. So yeah, I, ra-
0: just, I ran into that myself in the past uh, mm-hmm. coaching teams that there was, oftentimes even for training practices, we would go in in into the neighborhoods where some of the kids lived in would have to give them transportation give them rides you know to and and from practice um my spanish is not great at all and um so i i would not even profess to be bilingual (laughs) in any sense of the the imagination although i'm I'm trying, but I, you know, do or do not, there is no try in the words of Yoda. And I haven't, I haven't, I haven't done what I need to do to, to learn the language well enough. But what I did do, one of the things I did, did when I was coaching some teams was I got some of our assistant coaches, were were all South American, Latin American background. And, and, and so some guys were from Colombia, there were some guys uh, from Uruguay. And, and that helped me. Um, because they were able to speed up that trust building process, um, with the families, but that also helped us from the standpoint too of overcoming one of those obstacles about transportation and getting the, the families and the parents to trust that we were just trying to do right by their kids, right? And, um, you know, I think to me, um, if you if you're willing to wrap your mind around doing those kind of things, then I think you can actually integrate, um, you know, communities who are on the outside looking in. You know, if it's if it's intentional, if it's right. your purpose, I, I I don't think it's an a, an obstacle that can't be overcome. I think it can be overcome. I've seen it firsthand um, with my own teams that I've coached in the past. So. As you look at the youth landscape, and you've been coaching for five years, and now you're coaching, uh, you have a varsity program at St. Michael's, and so you are living and, and breathing and working, you know, throughout the year on, you know, coaching and teaching uh, youth players how to play the game, what do you hope, a player who plays for you what are you hoping that they learn as they as they come through one of your teams
1: um one of the things that besides i mean obviously we want them to be good player and like they with the ball they know what to do whether they make their own decisions without depending on a coach to tell them or or a parent on the sideline to tell them I want them to be comfortable enough to make their own decisions, to be able to know when to dribble, how to dribble, how to pass, when to pass or how to shoot and when to shoot. Just an overall player. But apart from that, I've always, I've always wanted the players to understand, like have be humble, you know, like appreciate the game, enjoy the game, and you know really understand, have a passion for it, not just make it a hobby. Right, because I'm very passionate about it. Um, I've had incidents where, you know, if my teams are playing re- or the teams that I get to coach are playing really well, and and that they lose, and I feel I feel just like they feel. Right. And so I I feel it, it, and it might not be the best, but I feel like I'm very passionate, and I want them to feel have that uh, to have that passion as well when they're playing uh, the sport. You know, I want them to have to have an understanding that. That you don't always need to be in an organized setting to play. Right. I want them to understand that you can come out um, on a Sunday here at Tryon. We talked about this last last season. You know the fields are empty. You, you could just bring your group of friends and, and play. understand that you can just play whenever. You don't need and you don't need a goal. You don't need a field to be lined up. You don't need, you know, the next the next you know rebound goal or whatever it is that's coming out on the market. You can just go in and play. So understand, just be simple. Understand that. You know, soccer is not all about the, the, the high-end stuff. Or it's just a simple game with a ball in front of you.
0: So you talk about having passionate players and players that are you know committed, that want to learn the game, that love the game, that live the game the way that you do, the way that I do and, and others do. What does that actually look like in terms of time from a player? Because I, I know a lot of parents, that you know, and they're, they're – they want to do right by their kids, right. um, and they're trying to, you know, they want to help their kids be the best players that they can be. And so for a lot of parents, they think, okay, I've got to make sure I get them to practice and make sure I get them to, get them to the games. But, you know, you, you just mentioned, you know, free play outside of an organized setting. Like, you know, how many hours a week do you really, are you really thinking like, if man, if a kid is really passionate, you know, what, what are they looking at? you know, beyond an organized setting, whether it's in their backyard or in their bedroom or you know, is it is, is that enough? Is coming to organized
1: practice enough in your mind? I I I don't think it is. I think, you know, I think if they really want to be something special in soccer or just in general, just want to get better at it then at least at least, you know, five days a week. Right, maybe you know, from it could be 45 minutes to an hour. I think that's enough because you're touching the ball for a good straight 45 minutes to an hour. Um, you know, that's why we here at um, at the Rangers we offer, you know, two night sessions, but then we still have World Cup Wednesdays and we have technical Tuesdays from time to time. That's four days a week, over over an hour an hour filled of touches. Right, um, and then I think. And we do our best here to promote that. And you know, sometimes we gotta f- battle weather or any other cause that or anything that's happening here at, at, at the fields. But if if everyone in the club would see that, then you know we are offering at least four nights of training. Right. And those four, those two extra nights will help you in the long run when you go to a Saturday game. You know, you're seeing kids do stuff that. Whoa! How'd you learn that? It just catches you by surprise. But then you realize. Because I've seen it before. I've seen kids come four days a week straight to training and doing those two extra sessions, and then Saturday they're a whole different player. whole different player. They just feel good. And I've seen it um, multiple times, especially in the past year uh, with a group of 08s that I used to train. I remember a kid in particular that was coming to those things, and he was also doing the homeschool program in the mornings on Thursdays or in Tuesdays. So he was getting touches from time, a lot lot of the touches, and you just saw, saw... just how much smoother he was playing, like how much com- like the comfort he had when the ball was at his feet.
0: Absolutely. And it's, and it's, that's, it's one of the hardest things to do, right? The, the sport that right. you have to play with your feet rather than eye-hand coordination, tennis, baseball, football, basketball, <clears throat> you know, American football. Real football is the kind that's around. But um, the, when, when you're playing a sport where it's dependent on using your feet it takes time. It's not something that's going to be like show up two days a week and think that my feet are going to work right. (laughs) Right, right. Especially when you got, you know, the opponents running at you at full speed trying to take that that round thing away from you. And, you know, you've got to not only be able to control the ball but but have the ability to control it and at the same time have awareness to see what to do with it, whether that's a pass or – whether you take them on you know in a dribble or, or or so on and so forth. So as you as you you know you're in your fifth year of your co- of coaching and you are working with at a high school level you're working at you know with 13 14 15 16 17 18 year old players and teenagers and then in the club um this spring you're working with you know 8 9 year old players um what what do you see at your high school aged kids um that some of your younger players are are starting to learn is, is it awareness that they're starting to get that that's going to translate later is it quality
1: on the ball is
0: it you know what do you, what do you see
1: i think it's a mixture of of everything i think here at Daphne Rangers, when, you, they, when they enter young from the minis or the Mighty Mites and the Wee Kickers onto the minis into the actual academy, I think the kids are seeing uh, – what I'm seeing is that they're more aware, they're more understanding of what's going on on the field. Um, you know, their touch, yeah, it's getting – obviously it's getting better. It's not going to be perfect from the start, but I just feel like they're being able to, to, to get that at a younger age. You right. know, we have a couple of kids on the the U9 team that that I get to coach, and they're just so comfortable on the ball. And it's because one, they're training a lot on their own too. But I feel like that style of coach, because when you tra- when I see it, is like there's a couple of kids on the on the high school that aren't as comfortable with the ball. And you're talking like you said, you're talking about various ages from 14 up to eight, 17, 18 years old. So you know, I just feel like. I think here we're just setting a standard of what we want to see out of our players that when they're about the time they're 12, 13, you you know, they're starting to, to do things that, you know, for instance, I wasn't doing at that age. Right. So they're just more comfort, more, more aware, more understanding of how to play their numbers, how to be organized on the field and how to keep their shape, how to just the little things, the little things that are hard to teach when they're in high school age.
0: You know, as a parent uh, of, of two players, both of my sons. Full disclaimer: have played for Tito, uh, <laughs> either past or presently. And um, the one of the things that, as a parent, I can speak to, and you'll 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 understand this when you have kids, um, you you never want to see your kids afraid, right? Like you you want to see your kids confident. You want to see them comfortable. You you know, you want your kids to succeed, to to do well, and. You know, I don't know that parents think this way. And you know, as you were talking, this this thought came to mind that, you know, if if as parents, if we would help our kids, our players that live in our in our homes, get comfortable with the ball, then we can help um, alleviate this feeling of fear and panic when they play. Correct. Right. Because because if they're comfortable on the ball and they know what to do with the ball, then it makes the game and the experience for them more enjoyable. You know, you you don't have to be on a level of, you know, Messi um, or Ronaldo or any of these other players that that are at a world class elite level. To, to be comfortable on the ball. You know, you, you, could, you can go and watch even, you know, kids here this weekend, and you'll see in every game there's going to be at least one or two, maybe three or four kids that are really, really comfortable on the ball. And they seem to enjoy their game experience more than the other players because it's not something that they're dreading, getting the ball or, you know, being in a match. It's something they look forward to. They want more of the ball. I know I know both of my boys want to be on the ball the whole time if they could, right right they, they would right. They would love to be able to just keep the ball themselves and play play, uh, play a one-man team versus the other team not from a selfish standpoint of view, but because they're so comfortable with the ball, they value the ball and they enjoy uh, being on the ball even when there's pressure around. and um, And I think it, as parents if we could help, um, our kids learn to to be comfortable in the ball outside of practice, bringing them to those extra sessions. Um, I think it also is going to make it easier on you guys as coaches um, to, to, you know, it, if you're not having to teach them A, Bs and Cs and spelling and, and adding and subtracting like you do in school at, at, at third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, and instead you're able to start, because they're competent on the ball, you're able to start teaching them. Next level aspects of the game; it makes everything easier. Um, so, as we kind of wind up, I know we got a, a short window here with you. What, as you look look into the future, what do you want to? What do you want to keep doing as a coach? What, what, what's your next steps, progressions? What are you? What are you dreaming about?
1: Well, <clears throat> I li- as of right now. I mean, I'd like to continue working with these youth ages uh, to continue to. You know, be a, some sort of an influence to them in the sport that, you know, that we cherish and love and enjoy. Uh, continue to see that development. I'd really, I'd like to see more of the, you know, the minorities, the lion communities come in and, and make a, a big part in this club. Because, you know, we have, I think we have a lot of resources here to, to for the club to grow in general. And for, for our teams to, to, you know, be more competitive if, if they would just... You know, come I'd like to continue having opportunities with varsity teams and just continue to grow as a as a player and as a and as a player as a coach sorry and as a as a person well you got to so. play
0: sometimes when you're out there coaching right
1: yeah yeah I do but <laughs> like you said you know we we, t- we step away for a month it's hard to come back in it is just so out of rhythm so so out of touch so it's um, but it's fun though I, I enjoy I enjoy what I do here I enjoy seeing the smiles on the little kids, and definitely um, encouraging uh, confidence in them. Like, like you said, when you know the kid has confidence, though, they're they're allowed to to be free on the ball, what is with, with whatever it is on the ball, and that's just really nice seeing. You know, when you don't have when they don't have a coach yelling or a parent yelling on the sidelines, like what are you doing or whatever the case is. I think when we have that when they don't have that that worry about who's there on the sideline, then it's when the kids really get to express themselves on the ball or, and as a players.
0: Well, Tito, thanks for uh, coming on the show and um, keep up the, uh, the good work with the teams, not only uh, here at Rangers, but even good luck with your St. Michael's project. Um, and uh, we look forward to uh, seeing progress as we Keep going forward as a, as 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 a club and as a family, you know, with our with our son playing for you. So, Absolutely. good luck uh, the rest of the weekend as well. Um, at one last kind of parting thought, I uh, want it want you, want you to just kind of give me a quick answer on this. As you are going through this different festival style format, you know, with 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 the your youth teams this weekend, what?
1: Um, have you noticed any changes? Parents a little bit further back from the sidelines. I mean, I'm like I told, like I was telling. I think one of our co- my coworker Maddie and Xavier. Um, I was telling them how much more relaxed I feel as a coach, and then I feel like the parents are understanding of what we're trying to do, and they're more of a <clears throat> of a cheering crowd instead of a steering crowd. Which, you know, it makes everything just so much more relaxed and so much more peaceful. And you know, it's you just get to understand like work on the with the kids on the little things that we need to work on. So I just all in general, I think it's just a more relaxed setting, I think, which is how it should always be. I don't think we should, as, as coaches or parents, we shouldn't put that much pressure on the kids because then that's how we drop off ages and once they go to teenagers. Right. So I, again, I think it's just, I feel like it's just a more relaxed setting for everybody.
0: Fantastic. So for those listening out there, how can they connect with you on social media? The, uh, you got anything you want to share? You got any any place on Twitter, Instagram that's like, hey, man, hit me <laughs> up. Connect with me.
1: Yeah, um, Come to uh,
0: Fairhope. I'll get you some chips and salsa.
1: Right, right, right. So uh, I guess you can follow me on Instagram on, on, at TitoRodri20 or just search Roberto Rodriguez on uh, on Facebook. If you have any questions or anything, just let me know. Uh, so, yeah, if you're ever in Fairhope, buy uh By Thomas Hospital, check out El Mexicano Mexican Restaurant on Highway 98. Nice plug. Uh, There we go. So uh, looking forward. Thank you, Dan, for having me. Uh, Thanks for coming on the show.